0: Welcome to the Dear Professor Series, where college students who take courses online speak their minds. I am your host and e-learning strategist, Dr. Kelly Austin, who is honored to have a conversation with today's guest as he sheds light on his experiences as an online student. I've been teaching online since 2004 and made the tough decision to obtain my PhD through an online program, so I've been both an online instructor and an online student. As a result, I know that there are some wonderful things happening with online programs, as well as some not-so-wonderful things going on. This series aims to help professors and students experience a more fulfilling online learning environment by allowing students to reveal their needs and pet peeves. My hope is that this information will support professors in making the necessary changes or adjustments in the design and delivery of their online courses, which should ultimately enhance student success and satisfaction with distance education. So, if you are interested in hearing what students have to say about their lived experiences online, please hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that every Wednesday at 8 p.m. the latest episode will come straight to you. Also, feel free to comment about anything said and ask questions. Today I am so honored to have Dr. Luis Zamaripa here with me because he and I traveled down our PhD journey at the same time. We took several courses together and were the only two students in our final advanced research course in which we took our competency exams. I met him in person at our residency in 2019, and we stayed connected until we made it to the end. He defended his dissertation in April, and I followed behind him in August of the same year. He was so instrumental in keeping me calm, cool, and collected. Have you ever met someone in which light and love oozes out of them? Well, that is how I would describe Dr. Zamoripa. So even though I've told him this multiple times, I want to give him his flowers today. Dr. Zamoripa, thank you for all that you've done for me and for being such a blessing to my life. How are you doing on this beautiful day?
1: Oh, Dr. Alston, I'm doing so much better now. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, you- You know, we're not on camera, but uh, I would be blushing if if we were. So uh, thanks for just doing the audio. But thank you so much. Uh, I think we assisted each other through our journey. So um, I won't go into a a long speech about how you helped me, but uh, let's just say the feeling is mutual. Thank you so much.
0: Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself or as much as you want to share.
1: Sure, absolutely. So um, for everyone, I'm an HR professional. Um, I currently work with a, a large accounting firm. I uh, live here in the uh, the Tampa, Florida area. I've uh, been a, uh, a husband of, of 28 years, a father of four kids, two adult children, and uh, two that are in high school now. Um, I'm also a veteran. And uh, I, I like to say that... Uh, I'm a bit of a nerd. I guess that's been the case uh, through most of my life. But uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: So, what makes you a nerd? Well, what are the know, characteristics of a nerd?
1: You know, well, you could ask my daughters about that, and I'm sure they'd give you a laundry list. Of, <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but apart from from my hobbies uh, outside of work and doing whatever it is that my, my family demands, um, <laughs> you know, I, I have a few, a couple hobbies. I enjoy being outside. I, I love running, uh, focusing on my fitness. But I would also have to say, uh, just continually researching is frankly uh, one of my my favorite hobbies. And it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, research on a a study that I may be conducting or thinking about conducting in a more formal sense, but just researching things, things that are interesting, things that I come across in the news, uh, that I hear in conversations, and uh, just sitting back and saying, well, wait a second, I think I need to understand more about that. So rather than relying on what I hear, Uh, I just love researching uh, and just learning more about the things I encounter day to day.
0: Well, I wouldn't say that was nerdy. I think you're being an informed citizen.
1: (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Talk to my daughters, please.
0: (laughs) Right. Okay. So, Dr. Zamoripa, what is your general experience with taking courses online?
1: Yeah, my general experience, I would tell you, um, I, I have a pretty... Pretty extensive uh, exposure with online learning uh, beyond just the doctoral program that you and I went through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prior to that, I've had a number of uh, professional certification courses, uh, professional learning courses that were taken online, um, really going back to the early 2000s. Um, And I would say that my general experience has been like so many of ours, I would say it's been a mixed bag of sometimes poor sometimes okay, sometimes really great learning experiences uh, that I've encountered. So it would be hard to characterize the the full scope of my experience with online learning in just uh, one description. Uh, I Mm -hmm. think I've experienced it all. And of course, all of them have resonated uh, in a very powerful manner uh, for me, even the more negative experiences, because those are the ones I think I've learned uh, the most from and how to do things better.
0: Well, I think it's great to know that you were online in the early 2000s, because it seems like people don't remember that people were online before the pandemic, (laughs) you know, know. right? It was like, yes, people were taking classes and doing things, you know, this wasn't something new. Um, So it was good to hear this. So you were on there before I was, because I started in 2004 with actually teaching online. And I was like, excuse me, you mean like I don't go to the classroom? And they right. were like, no, <laughs> teach from your computer. I was like, wow, you know. <laughs>
1: and, and consider this, you may have experienced this as well. Um, t- uh, taking distance courses going back to the uh, mid and early or mid and late 90s. I've done a oh. good bit of that as well. So the advent of online learning is, as you and I both know, really emerged right. with uh, the Internet. Um. At, at the, and then during those times, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of difference between taking a correspondence course that you would mail in. Exactly. And taking online course. So.
0: Yeah, one of my mom's friends was telling me about that, like in the 70s, that's what distance learning. And I learned that also through my instructional design program. But he was telling me that, that they had, um, it's a university down there in Florida. I cannot think of it. It's near, um, it's in Fort Lauderdale as well but anyway is it northwestern or north you know what you know the big university i'm talking about in florida so
1: yeah i'd have to look it up but i I yeah but
0: yeah so um and he was telling me they were the first to start that correspondence type where they would mail you your you know workbook or whatever you your your resources and then you would mail in you know your coursework
1: yeah yeah way back then believe it or not there wasn't a whole lot of difference uh when courses went. Uh, onto the internet or through an internet platform. But they were really interesting. Some some of those were my better experiences, probably just because of the novelty of being online and not so much the content or the delivery of the course.
0: Wow. So you are the first doctoral student that I have interviewed. So you need Uh-oh. to get some kind of award. I'm going to make sure of it.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I hope so I don't I have, disappoint. <laughs>
0: right, so I have to ask you a couple of questions that I don't normally sure. ask. And the first one is, what made you decide to pursue a terminal degree online?
1: Online. There so many factors go into that. Um first and foremost, I think for anyone who who might pursue um a PhD, a doctoral level degree, there really has to be some intrinsic motivation. And I think that's really what it was for me. There was a, a personal desire to do something that I felt was uh, not only worthwhile, mm-hmm. but difficult, something that few others would do. And that was really the the initial motivation. Doing it online was very much uh, first out of necessity. There's efficiency that comes with uh, learning online. Uh, there's certainly a, a cost element mm-hmm. uh, when you're doing a, a course a course of study like a PhD online that um, is maybe more accessible uh, than an in-person uh, curriculum. Um, but certainly, my experiences with uh, online learning in the ba- in the past uh, shaped sort of the direction I went as well. So I would say it was a combination of those things. You know, some intrinsic motivation. It was a cost and efficiency uh, motivation uh, that, that played in, and then past experience.
0: Okay, then. Well, what would you say now that you've done that? What are the pros and cons of pursuing a PhD online?
1: <laughs> I should have anticipated this question, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I can see it coming <laughs> Yeah, you know how it's going to get you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, goodness. Well, certainly the pros are, are this. You're, you're learning, uh, it's certainly in the most efficient manner, uh, mm-hmm. because you're, you don't have to, on an online environment, you don't have to be bound by your location, your mobility. Um, you're not limited to a, a, a single set of resources, including your, your professors. Uh, that's certainly a pro. The online environment is—it's such a a vast wealth of of resource and and information and opportunity that I think if if we're well versed in it, uh, we can really leverage that to enhance our learning. So that would definitely be the number one pro. Uh, These are these are advantages you just can't match in Mm -hmm. an in-person classroom. Um, Cons: there are some sacrifices that you make. I believe through my own Lived experience in an online classroom. Some of the sacrifices are: you are very much subject to uh, the aptitude, the the engagement, uh, and just the energy of either the instructor or the online content itself. So the instructor, if it's a synchronous course and, and it's live, you have an instructor, professor-led um, uh, course, or the the how engaging or compelling the content in its delivery is if you're doing something that's asynchronous, a self-study, self-paced course. Mm. You're very much uh, at the mercy of however good and well put together that content is uh, in the online environment uh, without a whole lot of ability to, to change um, how that content is delivered. So in my mind, those are some pretty big pros and cons to online learning.
0: Yes, I'm taking notes. Now, I want you to rate your experience. And you have the more, more experience than anyone I've talked to as it relates to this. So if you were to rate your experience with online courses on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being outstanding and 1 being horrific, what rating would you give and why?
1: Great question. Um, and this one's going to be a little difficult for me, Dr. Alston, because, um, I, I'm looking at it first as I think you would want me to from a student perspective. So my person going through, um, in my PhD research, I did focus, um, part of my study on online learning. So I also have a perspective from a professors or an instructor, um, you know, point of view that that shapes my opinion as well. Mm. But from a student perspective, how would I rate my experience with online learning? I I would rate it as an eight. Um, Okay. And I I say an eight because partly I see uh, the value of the experience that I went through in my online courses of instruction. Mm -hmm. And I readily admit there is certainly a lot of room for improvement. So I don't think in any of my experiences, online learning could be you know, a 10 or even a nine. There's a lot of room for improvement. But in comparison to how I would rate my, my in-person learning experiences from grade school through professional learning, mm-hmm. I'd probably put those somewhere around four or five at best. So wow. uh, just,
0: to kind of give
1: you, just to kind of give you some perspective on, on my rating of an eight. That's how, I, that's how I value my perspective or my experience rather with online learning.
0: Now, Dr. Zamarifa, that would be a good study. But you just, right? right? You you rated your face to face so much lower than your online experience. I am intrigued. You're right. I I would look. Go ahead.
1: And I was going to say if if you consider the amount of time I've probably spent, as most of us have spent in person learning, it's what, 80% to 20%, 80% in person, 20% online, maybe.
0: Well, that speaks well of online learning. So round of applause (laughs) for business education. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your needs as an online student, Dr. Zamoripa. A need is defined as something you require because it is essential or very important. So when you are taking an online course what do you require or desire to be successful in the virtual classroom?
1: Okay. I, I love the way you, you characterize that to require and desire. Uh, whereas, I, and the reason I think that's an important distinction is it might be different mm-hmm. if we were talking about uh, primary or, or secondary school uh, students, but for higher education or uh, adult learners. <clears throat> I think the requirement and the desire are a lot of times one and the same. I, okay. I require that content has to be relevant okay. and also applicable. Um, I, I also desire that from, from my online ex- learning experience. I want it to be that the content is relevant. Uh, the days of sitting in a classroom virtually or in person and receiving content that I struggle to understand how is this relevant. How am I going to apply that? Um, there's not a lot of time for, for that anymore. So that's my, my number one requirement. Content has to be relevant, has to be applicable. And then secondly, I think I, I really require in an online uh, environment, as a learner, there have to be activities, activities that are engaging to the learner.
0: Yes. So those are your two major ones.
1: Two major content, relevance, and engaging activities, um, which I, I would say, just as an aside, what what I've found, not only through my, my own research, but through my experience especially, is that uh, some of the poor online experiences that I've had uh, were effectively content just simply delivered as one would deliver in a classroom. It's instructor, professor, the, the the learning leader in mm-hmm. a very expository manner, putting the content out there. Um, certainly as adult learners, we've got to do better than that. Um,
0: right. And so a, now a, you a, made a book me book
1: to read and, and I can get the same out of it than just somebody
0: delivering the content. Right. And so you made me think about when you said that the content should be relevant, applicable, what, what responsibility? Uh, Do the instructors have to ensure that they are staying relevant? I remember taking courses where I would click on a video that we were supposed to watch and the video was no longer on YouTube or wherever it was supposed to be. Or there were links that that site didn't exist anymore or. And that's just some minor things in terms of relevancy, but looking at that course and making sure that it's not things from 2013 and we're in 20, you know, 23, what responsibility do they have to the student to stay relevant?
1: Uh, I I would say there's an overwhelming responsibility to professors, to instructors, um, their responsibility to the students to remain relevant. And just as you said, it's more than uh, just keeping up with the website, uh, having active links to content, but Very proactively refreshing that content, making it relevant. Uh, And I'm going off of, you know, my, my principal requirement and need for an online course. It's the content has to be relevant. So while principles, theory, uh, certain content might uh, remain the same through the years, making it relevant in today's context with today's sort of examples or scenarios, I think is uh, of utmost importance.
0: Yes. Okay, then, Dr. Zamarepa, the stress and anxiety associated with the dissertation process is well documented, whether a doctorate is pursued online or face to face. Can you give us some insight into how your needs were met during that time? Because somebody's listening that's wanting to do, you know, pursue a dissertation, I mean, a dissertation, a doctorate online.
1: Right. Yeah. How
0: were your needs met during that dissertation process when you were online?
1: In, in a word, communication.
0: Okay. So
1: apart, from, apart from the delivery of the content through each of our online courses through our, our doctoral curriculum, mm-hmm. um, communication with professors, uh, communication with each other as, as colleagues, as co-researchers, as co-students in in the classroom. I would say that was critically important. And as we started this this segment, uh, you and I becoming friends through our curriculum, but throughout the dissertation process, uh, I don't think we could understate the importance of that, uh, or or rather overstate the importance of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say communication, beyond just the delivery of the content, receiving the content, trying to understand, doing independent research, staying connected,
0: Yes, that theme of communication is coming through on every interview. Isn't it interesting how that's like the foundation of every type of relationship Right. is, right. you know, that communication. OK, well, now it's time for us to hear your pet peeves. Now, a pet <laughs> peeve <laughs> is a minor annoyance that an individual finds particularly irritating, something that bothers you more than it bothers others. So your pet peeve may not be someone else's and that's okay. So share with us, Dr. but what really annoys you when it comes to online courses. What are your pet peeves?
1: Pet peeves. There, there's a couple of them. The <laughs> first one is going to sound a, a little uh, maybe a little uh, insignificant, but I do think it's important. And Dr. Alston, don't, don't take anything away from this. I know we're only doing audio for this session, but okay. in an online course, particularly <laughs> a, a synchronous uh, course where mm-hmm. you have a, a live instructor not being on camera. Okay. Um, I, I think it, it's something that has to be fostered over time with students, but it starts with the instructor, the professor. They've got to be on camera. Uh, I think students in an online environment over time it, want to build uh, a relationship with a professor, want to build a degree of trust. And if the instructor is not on, on camera, uh, they certainly can't expect anyone else to be. So that's probably one of my bigger pet peeves. It might seem kind of simple, but I think it plays out a, a little bit more as you go through because you can see visual cues. You can tell when people are engaged uh, in an online environment. My second pet peeve Mm -hmm. is content that is just simply delivered. Just uh, I've got some knowledge as an instructor and here it is. And I'm delivering that that to you. Uh, Speaking uh, in an online environment can get really boring in about 60 seconds. So uh, (laughs) I, I would say not include just simply delivering the content without including an activity uh, an activity that involves asking the students questions, getting them involved, actively involved in their own learning. Uh, when we don't do that, it's uh, probably my second biggest pet peeve.
0: So you need that active learning piece as well. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. OK, well, there you have it. So not being on camera, I would love to talk to you that about, talk to you about that off, you know, at another time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the instructor must be on camera during a synchronous course. So if you're doing what we're doing, we're having an interview, but we're not looking at each other right now. Um, Dr. Zamoripa was saying that is a no-no. Was that also part of your, that was also part of your dissertation too, right? Was that? It
1: was, yeah. I remember that. Strategies in making uh, corporate learning or professional development learning more effective. Absolutely. And,
0: And so did they find that? The cameras needed to be. What was the outcome?
1: The outcome was that w- one of one of my recommendations was that to move towards uh, on camera learning when you uh, switch your content to to online or virtual learning.
0: Okay. And, oh, oh, that would be a separate. I'm not going to go down there. I was going to ask you because right? it, right I really want to ask you if you. I'm just going to go ahead. Why not? It's just 24 minutes in. Um, I just want to ask you this question real quick. So. <laughs> Do you find it distracting when you're on, when everyone else is on camera, like all of the students and the instructor, and you're sitting there trying to focus on the instructor or not?
1: It it can be, uh, absolutely. I readily admit that if you're looking at a computer screen that has, uh, and and, you know, in a higher education classroom, let's say uh, six to to 15 students, you know, Mm -hmm. you might only get eight or so of them, you know, in a tile. Uh, view on your screen, it can be distracting. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Um, Because I I just find it's extremely distracting. Even when we had Zoom meetings at work, you know, like faculty meetings and, and I'm seeing what everybody's doing in the background, what's going on behind them, what, you know, and I'm like, turn your camera off, (laughs) you know, if you're going to be eating a sandwich during the meet, you know, so I have found it to be quite uh, distracting when I can see, because in the real world, I'm not going to be looking at everybody's face at the same time. Certainly. you know? Consider so. this
1: though, and, and I completely agree with you, Dr. Alston, it, that can certainly be distracting, but consider the amount of information you get about if you're the instructor, how engaged is your audience if you are instantaneously able to see that only one or two of them are actually listening and, and watching you because you could see the other six or eight students on your view, uh, looking down at their phones, maybe eating something. Uh, maybe a couple of them have gone off camera and presumably because they've left the room. Instantaneously, you have some feedback about how engaging your content is.
0: Right. And see, that's a whole we'll have to do another talk about that because my courses are very active. So there is absolutely no way you can be walking through Walmart right during class. <laughs> like exactly. you whether your camera is on or off, you are engaged because those those things that you said you need active learning, you're definitely doing that. So I would love for us we need to have a online Forum.
1: I know. Talk I know. about this. I think we have our, our next series already. Yes. <laughs> Maybe our next study. Right.
0: Your series. Your series. Yeah. You're gonna. I'll come on your series, and you're Absolutely. gonna talk about it. Okay. So this is our last segment, and that is. I would like for you to share your heart with a fellow professor that you have in mind. So imagine that there is an online bulletin board with sticky notes or messages from <laughs> students to their professors. As our featured scribe, share with us the note you would leave one of your online college professors.
1: Okay. Online college professor. At, at any level? So undergrad? Yes, uh,
0: yeah. As long as they were online. So you're going to say, dear professor, and dear then, professor. then share your note.
1: Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, without being too terribly insulting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try not to be. Okay. I know it's hard, but. <laughs> D-
1: dear professor, please start asking more questions. I, I think that's what I, what I would put. Um, to to be perfectly honest, and, and it I, I could expand on that a whole lot. That might be a whole another thirty minute session, uh, Doctor Alston. But um, I believe that one of the f- uh, flaws or or mistakes that that we tend to make as as instructors, as professors, as as teachers, as mentors,
0: mm-hmm. is
1: that we are uh, somehow uh, slowed down by the knowledge that we already have. And what I mean by that, it's easy for a professor to intuitively understand the content that they're trying to convey and, and the, the compelling feeling that I need to get this information out to the learner. Uh, and I think oftentimes that, that translates into, I know and you don't, so here it is. Here's the content.
0: Oh, Whereas that's would, deep.
1: My, my dear professor will be, dear professor, ask more questions. Um, deliver a little bit of content, and ask a ton of questions. How does this relate? How does this make sense to you? How would you contextualize this that I just gave you? I think in that way, you really bring the learner. Uh, And I think I can think of a few specific professors in my time that never really grabbed my attention, really brought me into learning experience in that manner. And I would love to give them that note.
0: I tell you, this is so juicy. We could do a whole... (laughs) We could do a whole nother, you know, episode on just that. I love how that was shortened to the point. You said, dear professor, please start asking more questions. So as we close, let me share my takeaways with you. Okay. So Absolutely. Dr. Zamaripa says he needs for the content to be relevant and applicable, and he needs Engaging activities. Don't just deliver the content, here's the information, and move on to the next. Get us involved in our learning through active learning. He needs you to turn that camera on if you are going to deliver instructions synchronously. Instructors, please turn your camera on. And also, he needs you to um, not just Deliver content like I just said, <laughs> but to make sure—I just realized I said that already—that it was um, that it's engaging and that you're including uh, the learner in their learning process. Did I get that right, Dr. Zamarifa? or Absolutely. did I leave out anything?
1: Spot on. That that's exactly how I how I understand it. That's what I believe.
0: Okay. Well, Dr. Zamarepa, thank you for spending your precious time with me today. This interview has been everything that I hoped it would be. And I am hopeful that something said today has been helpful for professors, but also for those of you who are considering pursuing a terminal degree online. I want to wish you well in all of your endeavors, Dr. Zamarepa, and may you continue to exude love and light wherever you go, as you've done for me. Thank you all for joining us. Remember to comment. Like and share, share, share if you care. I look forward to spending time with you next week on the Dear Professor series where college students who take courses online speak their minds. Bye bye.